What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of High Floor Football. We've been gone for, you know, about a week and a half, but uh, we're back now. You know, I had to take some time off to uh, get everything right with our schedules because, you know, we're both busy guys out here. But uh, we are back. Uh, as always, I am your host, Sam Wagman, and with me every week, as he is the man, the myth, the legend, JR himself. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? What's up, Sam? Good to be back. I'm happy to finish our, our buys series, I guess. You know, short series. We're just doing running backs and quarterbacks. Now we're uh, doing the wide receivers and the tight ends, the pass catchers. So, yeah, I'm excited to get back and, uh, and go through some of these. I think we're going to go through kind of the same uh, way that we did the running backs, quarterbacks. You know, I know you have a couple guys on the maybe a little bit higher side. I have some guys on a little bit deeper side. So we're kind of going to cover a wide range of, of guys. Uh, what six buys at wide receiver and four at, at tight end. So some info yes, to go back and send some dynasty trades. You know, it's dynasty trade season, the, the best time never ends. Hell yeah. I mean, there's not a better time than, you know, you know, when it's June and everything else is kind of dead, you know, we get a chance to kind of refocus after the draft and look at our dynasty team, see how things changed, uh, you know, picks start to get, get devalued again. You know, so things become a little bit easier to move along trade-wise since the draft is now over. So uh, it's good to get back to that time and then to reassess. And, uh, you know, we got a few weeks left of what we term dynasty season here in the uh, space before everyone dives headfirst into redraft season, which will come at the end of this month. Hopefully, if Jay lets it be, finally. <laughs> dynasty but... season never ends is, is the secret <laughs> of dynasty. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like well, Fight Club. You never talk about Fight Club Dynasty season. It, it never ends. You know, you never talk about that ending. Yeah, you know, that's fair. And I mean, it, it is kind of that. But, you know, there's got to be a time. It's like the seasons. You know, we had mm -hmm. Dynasty season and it runs from February until June or July. And then we have best ball season that lasts for like a month, a month and a half till the start of redraft season in August. And then that's when everything gets pulled into that. So, I mean, I like, I like this time frame. you know, it's slow for sure. Content wise, but there's so many trades to be made because people are just starting to get back to their, their fantasy lineups now that rookie drafts have started and they're looking for people that they can trade for. They're looking for ways to exploit their league mates, you know, all of that fun stuff. And, uh, you know, we just did a dynasty rookie mock uh, a couple of weeks ago and that, that was great. Had some great results come out of that. And then last week we went and did our quarterback and running back trade targets for dynasty. And now we are back with wide receivers and tight ends. Yeah. So let's go ahead. Let's dive right into it. Want to go first? What do you got first for us? I've got someone first who, you know, doesn't doesn't get a, a lot of love in the fantasy community anymore because I think a little bit of my explanation that I'll, I'll explain with this is, you know, because we saw so much success early on that, you know, how it's happened these past couple of years, how his career has how his career trajectory has been these past couple of years uh, has been, you know, a little bit of a disappointment compared to what we saw early on. So my first one is Juju Smith-Schuster, and let me preface it by 
saying, you know, we are using the Fantasy Pros ECR, the uh, expert consensus rankings, because ADP is a little wonky for Dynasty around this time of year with the different startups and rookie drafts and all that kind of stuff going on. So we are using Fantasy Pros ECR if you, you know, want to reference where any of these guys are. Juju Smith-Schuster is wide receiver 40 right now. Um, right around Allen Robinson, Sky Moore, Gabriel Davis, Brandon Cooks, Brandon Ayuk, Michael Thomas. That's kind of the range that he's in with a couple of guys behind him like Chase Claypool, Tyler Lockett, Hunter Renfro. You know, Juju is, like I said, not getting a lot of love in the, in the Dynasty community for good reason. You know, he didn't even play a lot last year. The other years have been a little bit disappointing. But you look back to 2018, I mean, he got 166 targets, 111 receptions, 1,400 yards, and seven touchdowns. And here's the thing. Juju, two out of the last four years, has missed a decent amount of time. The two years where he played 16 games, he had 128 targets and 166 targets and 111 catches and 97 catches, which is pretty great for your wide receiver. If he's getting around you know, 90 plus to 100 catches, you know, that's that's quality and un, not under seven touchdowns. So he had seven in 2018, nine in 2020. Now you go to the two years where he missed time. 2019, he only played 12 games. 2021, he played five games. So, you know, we can't, those are kind of throwaway seasons. And I think that we all got disappointed because either after 2018, you drafted Juju really high, hoping that he was going to continue that, gets hurt in 2019, comes back in 2020, gives you a little bit, but not much yardage, only 831 yards on the 97 catches, which isn't great. But, you know, 2021 comes around. We're kind of looking to buy back in and only plays five games. So he flirted with Kansas City last year. Now he finally finds himself in Kansas City. And I don't think there's any way to look at it as not an upgrade. So he's still being priced at the wide receiver 40, like I said. So, you know, back end wide receiver three, middle of the range wide receiver three. And I kind of find it hard to believe that there's not upside for more, you know, with mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes. He only signed a one-year deal, so there is a little bit of uncertainty with the contract. But I kind of think, you know, he's still a young player. He's 25. He's maybe playing to get that bigger contract, trying to play his way into the bigger contract so he doesn't necessarily take a discount based on these injury-riddled seasons he's had. Mm -hmm. Kansas City added Sky Moore. And, you know, to a point Sam and I were talking about before the show, which I'm in full agreement with, is Juju has not really worked – uh, great without a you know true number one guy around him you know when when he was there with Antonio Brown Juju was great playing off of Antonio Brown I think there's some skepticism of when Juju first got there and Tyreek Hill was there with Travis Kelsey we were all you know pretty excited Juju's role was almost you know uh, boxed into being that slot guy that short area guy bunch of receptions good for PPR Tyreek Hill leaves they bring in Marquez Valdez Scantling to kind of be that field stretcher Sky Moore we'll see what he gets used at but, you know, Travis Kelsey walks up, wakes up out of bed with, you know, 1,200 yards every single year. He is a wide receiver one in whatever sense you want to put it. So he's going to be garnering a lot of the attention. And I think that leaves a lot of room for Juju to really improve on, on what we've seen in, in the past couple of years. So I'm not going to say he can get back to the 28, 2018 uh, output that he, you know, 100 plus catches and 1,400 yards. But I think that it's going to be, you know, significant upgrade from where he's getting drafted at wide receiver 40. And this is, you know, like we talked about a little bit before, this is dynasty trade season. And, and part of that, I think, is being able to get in on things like this where everything's uncertain. You know, we don't know how these guys are going to turn out in 2022. So you're having to bet on different things. I think betting on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs and, you know, kind of with them trying to almost search for what they're going to do without Tyreek Hill there, which we haven't seen in a long time. I think it's a great spot for Juju. So what are your thoughts on him? I mean, again, not 
pitching for him to be a top 10 guy, but going as wide receiver 40 seems a little bit deep. Yeah, I, I think 40 is definitely a little bit too high for what we know Juju can do. And look, a huge part, for me at least, I've always played on whether I would approach Juju or not as to who is around him, who who can he play off of. And, you know, you're right. Travis Kelsey being there makes a huge difference because we just haven't seen Juju in a place where he can reliably feed off of other coverage being drawn to superior receivers. But he'll have, I mean, he'll have that to a point in Kansas City. My only problem is that he may still get the team's number one cornerback on him because teams don't put cornerbacks on Travis Kelsey. You know, even the only per, the only tight end in the league that's getting a cornerback put on him is Kyle Pitts because he routinely w- lines up out wide and he needed a ton of bracket coverage from cornerbacks and and linebackers last year. But for every other tight end in the league, you're still going to most of the time have a linebacker attached to them, you know, in the underneath in the middle of the field. Travis Kelsey's no different. I mean, he Travis Kelsey is a typical NFL tight end receiving tight end in today's game. He plays in the slot. And he runs underneath routes and he runs routes, you know, out, out wide, but he doesn't split out wide that much. So I don't know how much time he'll spend having a corner on him, which still makes me think we may see some teams top cornerback attention directed at Juju. That alone is going to hamper his upside for me. But I do think in dynasty, you know, we're just thinking about this year. I think in Dynasty, I think as soon as next year, the Chiefs may go back to the wide receiver well again in, in what could be a stacked for a, a stacked uh, wide receiver class once again, like we have seen the last several years. Sure. Sky Moore is not going to be the guy that pulls a top cornerback, at least not right away. Sky Moore could turn out to be Antonio Brown and all as soon as the second season moved to playing on the outside, despite being a little bit undersized to 5'10, 190. But right now, he's probably going to start in the slot. And again, he's going to have the team slot cornerback on him. Juju's going to be all by himself out wide with, with uh, MVS there. And again, MVS not good enough to draw number one coverage away. So uh, I do have a little bit of worries for Juju. I think wide receiver 40 is too too high i think he should be more in that 32 to 35 range but i i don't know if i'm gonna go crazy and say that he's way out of way out of uh adp position where he is right now no, i don't necessarily disagree with that and just quick counterpoints to to the things that you know you brought up because they're good points is i i do view that he's gonna play a little bit more in the slot uh more often than we've you know more often than he might have been forced to um, well, actually, I mean, he, he played in the slot a decent amount in Pittsburgh too, but I, I expect him to be in the slot because I, I'm, a, I'm a little bewildered by the Marquez Valdez-Scantling signing based on the amount of money, but I think the the role seems pretty clear. I mean, what you just had Tyreek Hill doing, he, although Tyreek Hill can kind of do everything, but Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to open up the, the underneath part of the field. I mean, he's going to, you have to cover him deep, regardless if he's yeah. going to catch it or not <laughs> is, is more of the issue, but he is a big deep threat. So I'm more so expecting Marcus Valdez scaling on the outside sky more on the outside, more often than not. And Juju working the inside with tra- uh, Travis Kelsey. And I think the Chiefs saw a little bit more last year that they aren't going to be able to just be this big play offense all the time. They're going to have mm-hmm. to find ways to move the ball that happened throughout last season. And to your other point, which, you know, good point, we are talking about dynasties and not just this next season. 
Juju is just deceptively so young, man. He came in the league so young. He's, he's only 25, his, right? He's entering his sixth season. He's 25 years old, yeah. which is, you know, that's why I kind of think that Juju has been willing to take these smaller contracts. He's still 25. He, you know, does the, you know, TikTok dances, all the endorsements. <laughs> so I think Juju has money coming in from, you know, the other things. Juju's a great personality. So I think that he's more worried about getting the big contract when he actually does what he thinks he can do on the field. So I'm hoping that happens this year. And either way, I mean, I think he's a, a good target that's not too expensive, that has the upside to clearly, because we've seen it, uh, produce at an elite level, regardless of what's going to happen this year or not. I think he's a good buy. So. Yeah, I think no no matter what, he's in the right place for him to improve his dynasty value. This sure. this could pro I think it's definitely fair for both of us to say this is the lowest we're gonna see Juju's dynasty value for so. a pretty long yeah. time. I, I think there's no way it doesn't go up somewhat with him landing in Kansas City, you know, just seeing what that offense can do. So I agree. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll go from there. So I think we're both kind of, you know, you're you're in. I'm I'm there, I'm on the doorstep. So we'll go from there. Uh into my top guy and my top dynasty buy uh is Rashad Bateman who's going off the board at wide receiver 22. Now we all know Marquise Brown is no longer in Baltimore. Mark Andrews is there. Uh Bateman's there. And not much else. Look, Lamar, Lamar the Lamar contract situation is interesting, you know, as as I before I get into this. Cuz He's essentially waiting. The team is saying that he's taking his time and that when they're when he's ready to sign the deal, they're ready to sign the deal. But this could also be them kind of playing it safe. And maybe Lamar will take the Kirk Cousins route on a one year year to year basis to see whether he can stay healthy. Cause you know, we all know that his style of play is not mm -hmm. the safest thing. So, you know, that that's something that you need to factor in when uh, trying to price Rashad Bateman appropriately. But I do think where he's going right now at wide receiver 22 in ECR is just a tad too low, given what we know uh, from the last few seasons. Now, it's definitely true that Mark Andrews stepped up his his output dramatically last season. But when Lamar, when Lamar went down, he almost doubled his uh, fantasy points per game during during that stretch. He was getting so many more targets versus when Lamar was the quarterback versus when Tyler Huntley was the quarterback. So it's a little bit skewed. Um, we have to assume that he's not going to repeat, you know, a hundred catches, hundred or thirteen hundred yards, and ten plus touchdowns like that. That's just not happening again. But I also don't think he's going to go back to his normal seven to eight hundred yards per season and six or seven touchdowns. I think it's somewhere that we meet, meet in the middle there. So I do think Mark Andrews is the uh, receiver to target in this offense. Uh, you know, he's probably going to keep his 28 to 29% target share that he had last season. But the real question is, who takes over Hollywood Brown's 26.7% target share from last season? And the answer to that is, how, is Rashad Bateman. Now, look, He's got the draft capital. He was drafted 27th overall. He's got the measurables. His prospect, you know, profile is great. 4.440. You know, he's got everything he needs to. He's a very good route runner. Probably one of the better route runners in last year's draft. Uh, behind only our boy, Devontae Smith. But 
he didn't really get a chance to strut his stuff because the way the Ravens run their offense, it really only caters to one wide receiver and, you know, the tight end cycling through. So I like Rashad Bateman this year to come to come off and put up very solid numbers because look, he's going to, he's going to step into this target share that Hollywood leaves behind. And while it may not be 27%, like his was, it's probably going to be 23, 24%. And he only put up, he only put up 500 yards last season. And that's playing some, some weeks he was only playing 30 to 40% of the snap share. Hollywood was playing 90% of the snap share. Bateman's numbers double here. His opportunity is going to go way up. And, Look, he's going to be used in the red zone a little bit more. He's going to be used downfield. He'll be used in crossers and deep scenes. Everything is looking up for him. And they clear the Ravens clearly believe in him if they're going to trade Hollywood, who was their number or their first round pick a few years ago. And they traded him. And now the stage is set for Bateman to take over because it really make it really makes sense if the Ravens stay pass heavy that Bateman could put up a top 15 season. Yeah, and you know I love Rashad Bateman too, so I don't have much argument there. The only thing I would say is I do think he's relatively fairly priced in Dynasty uh, based on the ECR, similar to what you were saying about Juju. I think that what we've seen from Rashad Bateman so far, I don't know that he necessarily belongs much higher. That being said, I think some of the people that are ahead of him in Fantasy Pros ECR uh, I would not be taking ahead of Rashad Bateman. So, I mean, we can say both Jets receivers. I would have Rashad Bateman over Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. So would I would I. take Gar- I would take Rashad Bateman over Traylon Burks. So there are yeah. those guys where I think that, you know, we get excited. It's May. The draft, you know, relatively just happened. We we all are hyped up by these rookies. And I, this might sound like a hot take to people. I don't know. Maybe not. But, I mean, Rashad Bateman, if he came out in this class, would have been the one, if not the two, uh, in terms of wide receivers, in, in my opinion. I mean, you were talking about a class that didn't, didn't have Jamar Chase, didn't have Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, for Rashad Bateman to compete with. And I was taking Rashad Bateman ahead of Elijah Moore, uh, you know, seven days a week. So I think Rashad Bateman belongs there. I think that, you know, clearly what you said, great point. I mean, they gave up Marquise Brown, you know, pretty casually. And apparently he wanted to leave. You know, he requested mm-hmm. the trade. But you don't do that if you're not, you know, you don't just honor anybody's trade request necessarily for, a, you know, a young player like that. If you're not confident in who's going to take over that spot. I think Rashad Bateman is super talented. I kind of think that we got away from that because of last year and because of how sour people were when he landed in Baltimore instead of, you know, some other landing spots. But Hollywood Brown was wide receiver too last year, as I'm sure you touched on. And, you know, every, everybody kind of knows that. I mean, Hollywood Brown was a good fantasy asset last year, and he's a great player. I don't think he's as good of a player as Rashad Bateman overall. I think Rashad Bateman is able to do more things. I actually don't love, you know, player comps all the time. I know we all, you know, don't, and they all come with a grain of salt. Rashad Bateman, though, really did remind me of Keenan Allen. And I think it really was like mm-hmm. a good comp. And, Keenan Allen has dealt with that his whole career where people, you know, he's really good. We Keenan Allen's really good, but he was never, you know, viewed as one of the top, top guys. It was always like, okay, well, he's really good, but he's not this guy. He's not Devontae Adams. He's not this and that. 
kind of rolls out of bed with 100 catches every year, you know? <laughs> Keenan Allen is really, really good. And whenever you ask any of the players around the NFL, you ask Devontae Adams, who does he watch? Keenan Allen is on every single one of those lists because he's just a really good player. I think Rashad yeah. Bateman is that too. And we were kind of, you know, deprived of that last year based on what you said, the quarterback situation, his usage, you know, coming in as a rookie into that sort of run-heavy offense that was a little confused, you know. The Ravens dealt with a lot of, you know, pardon my French, I won't say anything. They dealt with a lot of blank last year because of uh, all those injuries, man. Dobbins, then I mean, Edwards, Dobbins, then Gus, Tyson, Williams, Bonnie Stanley, Monte Freeman. Everybody, man. The Ravens dealt with so much that they were just yeah. trying to feel the team. And yeah. they did not necessarily get to bring along these guys the way that they – they will hopefully be brought along this year. So I'm pretty excited about Rashad Bateman, man. You know that I wasn't going to you know, argue that at all. I, I love him. I love having him on the dynasty teams that I have him on. And I think that he's undervalued without being necessarily like, you know, he's not hated on. People aren't like, oh, I don't want Rashad Bateman. But at the same time, it's like, you know, people don't come to your team and they're like, I'm, I'm coming for Rashad Bateman because there are things to be uncertain about in the Ravens offense. That being said, the guys that are going ahead of him based on the fantasy ECR, the guys being ranked ahead of him, I think it's a little premature. Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Traylon Burks. I would take Rashad Bateman over all three. So yeah. uh, there's my take on it. Moving to the next guy on, on my list, Jacoby Myers, who I feel like we've been at this for a while. <laughs> you know, I, Last year he was my buy on like pretty much every you know dynasty show that you know Ben and I did for uh, 14 personnel. It was always Jacoby Myers and, and Kendrick Bourne. I was pretty excited about Kendrick Bourne too. And I got them on a lot of fantasy teams. And Dynasty, when you have these deeper rosters, it matters, man. And you have a Jacoby Myers or a Kendrick Bourne that you could slot in each week. Yet they're not world beaters, they're not wide receiver ones, but they do produce. Jacoby Myers got 126 targets last year, 83 receptions, a uh, little under 900 yards. And you know, the bugaboo is only two touchdowns. That is the Jacoby Myers. Hey, issue. they're the first two touchdowns <laughs> of his career. I guess I can. That's yeah, a right. big deal. No, you're absolutely right. There's no reason to complain about them because they were 100% <laughs> better than he was the year before in that category. But even as somebody who rostered Jacoby Myers on a lot of teams throughout this, you know, late, late season to offseason, you know, I, I was pretty confident the Patriots were going to add more wide receiver. I was like, I mean, for sure. I, Mac Jones, I was thinking, is definitely going to be more of a buy than he was because the Patriots are going to load up this offense for him. They didn't. <laughs> you know, they, they brought in Devontae Parker, who, you know, we'll see what happens. But I don't think he cuts into Jacoby Myers' role at all. I mean, I think mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're different sort of players. Devontae's going to be on the outside. I think Jacoby Myers is going to be in the slot a lot. And the Patriots like, like him. I think they just like to use Jacoby Myers. I mean, he is forever, for almost three years now, uh, carved out a role in New England. So he's he's going to be entering his fourth season, coming off his best year, 126 targets. You know, give me another 126 targets for Jacoby Myers from Mac Jones, and we'll see what happens. I mean, he wasn't, again, not elite. I'm talking about a wide receiver 60. So he's being ranked as the 60th wide receiver. This isn't, you know, somebody who's going to come and necessarily be a starter on your dynasty teams. If you're trying to compete, I hope Jacob Myers isn't one of your starting receivers. But having Jacob Myers on your bench, I think is really good. And I mean, I've got him this offseason in trades as, you know, I always like to talk about this on our show and with dynasty trades as I'm a big, a big trader is, you know, whenever you can get guys that you like as add-ins in trades where they're not the focal point and you can be like, oh, all right, I'll take Jacob Myers. I'll give you an extra third or I'll give you a second or whatever. 
Like that stuff adds up because yeah, second round picks are great. Yeah, some early thirds are great. But you kind of hope that they carve out a role like this where they have, you know, a, a starting job in an offense. And that's what Jacoby Myers has right now. So I like him, you know, again, wider super 60. So it's more of a, a deeper play. But if you can get Jacoby Myers for the cheap and he's a starter, you know, on an NFL team and one of probably their top target, I'd be I'd be more surprised if not, if Jacoby Myers doesn't lead the Patriots and targets this year for the second year. So, yeah, I. I think with I think with Jacoby Myers, the thing the thing that you take into account is that his value is not going to move much from year to year because he's never going to be one of those guys that balls out. He's going to be there to be a floor guy for your team. He's the guy that you put on your team. If you need 11 points to win, you're putting in Jacoby Myers over other maybe higher ceiling guys because you know he's going to get the targets. You know, Mac Jones is going to hit him six or seven times. The, the only question is, does do those go for like 40 yards and no touchdowns or does he get a little touchdown out of it? Uh, in the past, I probably would have said no, but look, we saw we saw some new stuff from him last year. He looked a little peppier. I think his game is ex, is expanding for him. So I do think we keep seeing him used more and more. They He can do so much. Converted quarterback. Um They've given him running routes before. So he does a lot for this team. And he's got really reliable hands. So for me, Myers is easy because he's somebody you'll always be able to play. So I'm happy to toss out a third for him always because he's a guy that will improve my team. He'll make my team safer. He had five games last year with plus eight targets. He had plus 12 targets twice. I mean, that's Jacoby Myers. We're talking about getting 14 targets, 12 targets. Those are things that, you know, they don't necessarily jump off the page. And again, he hasn't scored touchdowns. So that's part of the issue. But as anybody, you know, who plays enough fantasy knows, touchdowns aren't the sticky stat that you're trying to latch onto. If Jacoby Myers adds on, you know, three, four more touchdowns, which only gives him a total of six. It's not like he scores a bunch of touchdowns. That's a game changer for you. You know, that makes some of those weeks from nine points up to, you know, like the 16 points, 17 points, which is, you know, a great number for a guy like Jacob Myers, who you're probably plugging in to replace somebody else anyway. So absolutely. yeah. Yeah. I think Myers is easy. Um, he's definitely a buy if you're looking for consistency for your team. You're look, you know, you, you don't have that guy, that end of the roster, the guy that can fill in for you on a weekly basis whenever you need him, buys, injuries, that kind of thing. That's what Myers is good for. Uh, look, I, I don't know if any Patriots receiver is going to have ceilings with Mac Jones because he doesn't throw down the field. He's a very accurate, short to intermediate thrower guy. That's why guys like Kendrick Bourne, you know, do who are were mostly deep threats before, you know, middle of the field, cro- deep crossers, seams routes, that kind of thing. That's what they. That's what they started. There was a, a tweet that um, our buddy Luke Sawhook put out the other day about the Patriots wide receiving core, and he drew the ire of Pat's Pat's fans because he said there weren't any stars in the receiving room. Well, there's not, but what they have is a stable of solid options who can give you fantasy relevance in, in any given week. I, I prioritized guys like Kendrick Bourne last year because I know those guys will give me safety. Well, so that's I, important there. And I think they could have drafted different players. I mean, yeah, I had mm-hmm. Kendrick Bourne in that 20-team dynasty that we were in. He became very useful he was throughout safe. the season. He yeah, was very you know, good. wide receiver three. But 
I think another point would be in the second round, I think we were all waiting for the Patriots to take one of those wide receivers. Sky Moore was there. George Pickens was there. They took Tyquan Thornton, which kind of blew all of our minds. And who knows how that's going to work. But I think a benefit to that is he doesn't do anything that Jacoby Myers does. They're like completely different players. So Correct. if Tyquan Thornton wants to take the Nelson Aguilar role and work on the outside and stretch the field, by all means, go ahead and do it and leave more space for Jacoby Myers to just, you know, ball out. Let him, let him play quarterback a little bit. Who cares? <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how everyone fits in there because you got Devontae Parker now there as well. Aguilar is still there. Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby and now Thornton. So that's five receivers for a three-man set. So that, that'll be interesting to see if that affects, you know, Jacoby's thing at all. But I, I think he's got that slot role pretty, pretty locked down at this point. Who's your next guy? My next guy is Mike Williams. And th- for anyone that knows me, this is a big thing for me. I perennially think Mike Williams is undervalued. And true to nature, he's here. Wide receiver 34, making no sense. Just got signed to a $20 million a year deal. Look, him and Keenan Allen both signed through 2024. Big thing for this Chargers team that throws the ball a ton. Look, we are talking about a pre-show a little bit, how we view the Chargers offense and the Cincinnati office offense pretty similarly here. You know, it's pretty common uh, it's start, you know, it's starting to become pretty common to see people rank T. Higgins as, you know, a top ten, top eight guy, uh, even in redraft, definitely in dynasty. But you know, he's getting up there in redraft too. Look, Joe Burrow is going to th- probably throw the ball close to seven hundred times this season because he has to. The Chargers are going to be pretty similar in that vein as well. You know, Eckler, Eckler and Spiller are going to switch off. But again, neither is a heavy carry kind of guy. This is an offense that thrives through throwing the ball. And to keep up with the Chiefs, the Broncos, and the Raiders in that loaded AFC West, they're going to have to a lot. So, I mean, Mike Williams is a guy who saw 130 targets last year. It was a breakout year. You know, he hadn't seen any season that was over 90 targets before. and he put up a sick year and really his first sick first crazy season since 2019 when he put up 49 receptions for just over a thousand yards, average 20 yards a catch. But he only had two touchdowns this season that season. The difference this season, he had nine touchdowns. So he put up 76 receptions, eleven hundred and forty-six yards, and nine receiving touchdowns. It was a qualified breakout season for a guy that we have really been waiting to see something crazy for him ever since he was drafted at seventh overall five years ago. And we haven't really seen it. You know, Keenan Allen has always been the guy, the reliable, the reliable guy. Like, like we said, he rolls out of bed, catches a hundred passes. It's, you know, it's, you know, easy, easy as that these days for Keenan Allen. But Mike Williams has always been there as kind of like the, you know, the big downfield guy can't, can't have any yak just falls down as soon as he makes the catch falls down ungracefully whenever he yes makes the catch. yes and, and <laughs> major injury by, by making that but last year was different his usage shifted in 2021 and it had to be you know the new offensive scheme coming in and brandon staley said let's change things up a little bit his a dot went down from what it was at 15 before to 12 and 88 of his 112 targets 
were less than 14 year, yards downfield. Mike Ev- or Mike Williams was used kind of as a chain chain mover last season, and he's never really been used in that role before. But it worked for him. It allowed him to get downfield a ton more and work as their true downfield option. And you know, this is the guy who ranked 12th in the NFL in deep targets. He had 25, and he also had 23 red zone targets, which ranked eight. So this is a guy who has a ton of downfield specialty, a bunch of potential, and he can all he's everything that the Chargers have done have looked to him to lead this team. Keenan Allen is 30. He's starting to wind down. We saw him, you know, he's still as reliable as ever with the hands, but he's, you know, he's not the, he's not the uh, downfield receiver that he once was. And I think we see his role start to slip and slip and slip a little bit. And we see Mike Williams really start to become the face of this passing offense. Like we said, they're going to throw it a ton. It wouldn't be out of line to see Mike Williams not only repeat his 129 targets from last year, but outpace it because he only had a 20, 23 or 20.8 target share last year. I think that goes up this year and he gets into that 23, 24%. Uh, Jared cook is gone. Gerald Everett replaces him. I think that's a little bit of a step down receiving. Oh, excuse me. Receiving wise, Mike Williams, he ran 542 routes last year that ranked 10th in the NFL. I mean, he's going to play a ton. He should be out there every snap and really be putting up numbers. And I really think that he is going to be the guy going forward. It, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the passing game next year. I think we all expect them to draft a wide receiver this year. We didn't see them do it, but we could see them draft a wide receiver next year. So that'll be interesting to see, but I think there's a better chance that a wide receiver is drafted to replace an outgoing Keenan Allen than it is that someone who would do the Mike Williams role as he is that guy, 6'4", 220, alpha build, give it to me all day. I think he's a comfortable top 15 wide receiver this year. And honestly should be regarded that way for the next few years, at least. Yeah. Isn't it almost funny how it might be the Chargers uniform or I don't know what it is, but for some reason, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are like deceptively labeled injury prone when like neither of them are. They both lacerated kidney and everything goes down. They both got hurt in their first year. And ever since then, they've been labeled injury prone while not really missing any time, which Mm -hmm. is crazy. I mean, Mike Williams played 10 years in 2017. But after that, he's only missed two games in the past four years, which is like kind of crazy. And I think it is because of how he falls and, you know, maybe gets up a little limping, whatever. Gingerly (laughs) is the right word for me. But realistically, he's only missed two games in four years. And to be honest with you, I'm a little surprised that he's down there at. Uh, wide receiver mm-hmm. 34 in ECR, especially because this is, you know, it's ECR. This is where people are ranking him, not even necessarily where they're drafting him. And, you know, 27, I get it. He's getting a little bit older after being, you know, a top 10 pick. It kind of feels like it went by quickly with him, which, you know, I know I say all the time, but maybe I don't know what's happening with my life. It seems like some of these guys' careers are just flying by too quick. But I'm almost surprised that him and Keenan Allen are a little closer. I am mean, Keenan Allen, 27, Mike Williams, 34, which, you know, like I said, Keenan Allen's like the model of consistency. So it's it's tough to say anything bad about Keenan Allen, and I, I won't do it. I refuse to. But 
Mike Williams should be right there with him, if not above him. I mean, he's three years younger than him in the same offense. It's not like he doesn't have the pedigree. It's not like he doesn't have the production based on last year. So, I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown is, is a spot ahead of him. And I, I hope Amon Ross keeps it up. I think he has an opportunity to. But, I mean, Mike Williams kind of trumps Amon Ross in about every category, I would right. say. You know, aside from Amon Ross having that, that breakout at the end of the season, I would say there's a lot more uncertainty about Amon Ross. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is ranked ahead of Mike Williams. I'm a huge DeAndre Hopkins fan. For a, for a long period, he was my favorite wide receiver in the NFL. I love DeAndre Hopkins. Would I bet on him right now over Mike Williams? You know, he's three years older, kind of, you know, I'll say gingerly. Mike, DeAndre Hopkins has been kind of gingerly getting through the season all last season. We'll see kind of how that happens, you know, going into 2022, but he's going to, you know, already miss six games. So, I think Mike Williams is undervalued, and I think that's a, a fair one to say, a, a fair buy. I know I've kind of seen some different things in the in the dynasty realm. Of I've tried to you know trade for Mike Williams and thought it was going to be cheaper than it was, and the person who has him is like you know sends back something crazy to me that's just you know overvaluing. So it is tough to find it with him. But yeah, you have guys ahead of him. I mean, Amari Cooper is ranked wide receiver twenty six. Uh, Mike Williams is thirty four. I think Amari Cooper's got a you know, a good avenue to, to producing again, you know, with mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson. But I don't know. Is there a reason the Cowboys maybe just let him go for like a fifth to sixth round swap? I mean, the Chargers just like dedicated a significant portion of money to Mike Williams' future for the next, what was it, three years or four-year contract? So, yeah, I think I think Mike Williams is undervalued. And, I mean, this is almost going to become a Chargers show because my next guy and then, you know, the next tight end too. But – uh, it's all the same reason, you know, it's Justin Herbert. He's, he's great. And, you know, he's going to make all these guys better around him. So I think Mike Williams is a good call. Yep. And my next guy, you know, almost insurance potentially for Mike Williams. And like I said, he doesn't miss any time, only missed two games in, in four years. And, uh, you know, I'm about to say Joshua Palmer. So Joshua Palmer has his own standalone value, I think, but in the case of any injury to a Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, Josh Palmer is going as the wide receiver 75. So mm-hmm. as you'll catch on, if anybody's listening to this, more of a theme is these aren't, you know, Sam's going a little earlier. I'm going a little later. These aren't my guys that I'm saying build your team around, but he's going as wide receiver 75. So at a certain point, you know, you're just looking for guys with upside at that point. And to end the season, Josh Palmer had a couple, you know, uh, inspiring games, you know, at 17 points, 15 points, 14 points, all from week 14 on getting, you know, seven targets, six targets, nine targets, and uh, doing a lot with them. I mean, all three of those games, he scored touchdowns. And, again, in a just good offense, you know, Justin Herbert, the downside is that Josh Palmer will, at the very most, be the fourth target if everybody's healthy because Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, and Josh Palmer. Being the fourth target, though, you know, wide receiver 75 and with the upside of an injury happens to any of those guys is significant to Sam's point. You know, we kind of thought the Chargers were going to draft a wide receiver this year, but the Josh Palmer roller coaster has been pretty interesting throughout the off season, because if you ended the season, you know, like I just listed off, Josh Palmer had some decent games and you're sitting there thinking, okay, well, Mike Williams needs a new contract. Keenan Allen, 30 years old. They just drafted Palmer who, there was a lot of actually good buzz about throughout the season. I mean, he's 6'1", 210, good size. Uh, you know, they spent, I believe it was a third-round pick off, off the top of my head, third or fourth-round pick. But 
it was kind of a roller coaster of, okay, well, you should go buy Josh Palmer because who knows what's going to happen with Mike Williams. And then it was, okay, Mike Williams got his contract, but the Chargers are probably still going to draft another receiver and bury Josh Palmer. But they didn't. So, I mean, they brought back Mike Williams. Being the third wide receiver, fourth target in the Los Angeles Chargers offense isn't a bad place to be. And especially when you can get Palmer for as cheap as you can. I mean, if he's if he's able to, you know, make an impression and produce enough to convince the Chargers that, you know, when Keenan Allen moves on, you're going to have all this money locked up in Mike Williams. If Josh Palmer develops an, enough to kind of get that, wide receiver two spot uh it's gonna be a huge payoff i mean with how justin herbert's developed thus far and how long we expect justin herbert to be productive in the nfl at the age that he is so again it's a you know a flyer type pick i think you can get josh palmer for pretty cheap you know you might even still find some dynasty managers that are still in the mindset of you know josh palmer's buried in a sense like oh because because that's what you thought all offseason and people that kind of like come back to their rosters Maybe they see a trade of, oh, he was a third-round pick for Josh Palmer. Like, I might be willing to do that. Personally, I would look at that if I was the, the manager at Josh Palmer, and I would think, why would I do that? You know, at this point, he might have the most upside that he's, he's had thus far. I think he has kind of surpassed the other guys on the roster, and I think he's the wide receiver three. So mm-hmm. I think he's a, a good buy and a good cheap buy at the price you can get him for. So to not make it too much of a charger show there's there's your second charger and in case uh keenan allen and mike williams gets hurt you know you got josh palmer josh palmer is also one of those funny examples and you know i like to always slip in these fun narratives here if he had a different name <laughs> if it was a little something a little more fun that popped a little more than joshua palmer i think you know people would be buying it a little bit more but he's got a little bit of the the name syndrome where it's just kind of a boring like yeah we've seen it before like <laughs> You, you know, think he's like, doesn't think, pop out at you. You think he's like Mitch Mitch Trubisky and wants to be called Mitchell or he wants Joshua. to be Joshua and yeah, or Kenneth Palmer. Kenneth or Walker's Ken, going through Ken. a little, little bit of that right hey. now. I want to be Kenneth, and everyone's trying to like make him Kenny. He said he'll do Ken. So <laughs> finding a little bit of middle ground in between. Yeah, he might be. I mean, I, I love the when you see the sleeper names pop up. So speaking of that, leads me into the perfect segue for my last wide receiver. You think people call Gabriel Davis Gabe Davis to his face, or is or is he Gabriel to people? I think he's Gabe. I think Gabe I, works. I, I would. I, I feel I, like you have to let Gabe play if you're a Gabriel. Yeah, but. I look at Gabe. I look at Gabe Davis, and I and I really hope that he likes to be called Gabe because that's the way I view him, and and I think that's just perfect for how I feel about him. I feel, <laughs> I feel that Gabe Davis is the guy in Buffalo this upcoming season, and not in the, the sense, not in the sense that he's going to replace Stephon Diggs. You know, obviously, I'm not that stupid. He just signed a $21 million four-year contract. <laughs> but Gabe Davis going off the board as wide receiver 41 in Dynasty, I think that's a little bit too low for a guy that should be the wide receiver two on this offense this season. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people, recency bias, coming off the divisional playoff loss to the Chiefs. Gabe Davis put up 8 of 10 targets, 201 yards four touchdowns. I mean, the guy was literally making people break their ankles in coverage. Remember the guy that he like shook out of his shoes and the guy was like sprawled on the Gabe Davis had a, yeah, that was, that was game game. uh, game of his life. (laughs) So here's the crazy thing though. I mean, Cole Beasley gone. 
Emmanuel Sanders, gone. Dawson Knox is there. Jamison Crowder is there. Um, Isaiah McKenzie's there. And Stephon Diggs is there. But this is still an offense where they're going to throw a ton. This Again, this is an offense that does not prioritize the running back a lot. Josh Allen threw the ball 646 times last season. At an 18% projected target share for Gabe Davis, that would have been 116 targets. He only saw, you know, it bears worth bears in mind that he only saw 65 targets last year. He's only he's only seen 63 in both seasons. He's had 63 targets and 62 targets in 21 and 20. Both of those he's had 35 receptions and has put up 549 and 599 receiving yards. But He's got 13 touchdowns across those two seasons. That's like, that's output that's more in line with double those yardage numbers and double those reception numbers. So, you know, this is a guy that makes the most out of his targets. And he's got a really deep, really deep A dot. His A dot last year was 13.4, ranked eighth in the NFL, which is, you know, big in itself. He worked as their downfield receiver, you know, but in the same mold, uh, Emmanuel Sanders worked as their downfield receiver last year. So now that he's gone, I feel that Gabe Davis steps into his vacated role and picks up all of those targets. And he's the other perimeter guy across from Stefan Diggs. You got Isaiah McKenzie and Jamison Crowder playing out of the slot. You got some four wide receiver sets there. Khalil Shakir is going to, you know, factor in a little bit as well. But Dawson Knox hasn't taken a ton of work yet and it's like uh somehow my mic was unplugged a little bit but gabe davis is going to come in and he's going to be great right off the bat because he's proved time and time again that he maximizes his targets and he deserves a bigger role so look in weeks one to 13 last year he never saw more than 52 percent of the snaps but from weeks 14 to 20 and, and 20 being the divisional game, he saw 84% you know, snap share. And that was without Emmanuel Sanders. So we can expect to see, you know, in that vein of 80% snap share per game for him, which would mean a huge increase in work. I'm talking about all of his numbers doubling. His targets could double. His receptions could double. The receiving yards, if they match up, they could double as well. And look, Again, it's a lot of projection with Gabe Davis, but on paper, it works out perfectly for him to be the wide receiver two in Buffalo this season. And again, Josh Allen loves to throw the ball. Gabe Davis has been great when he was targeted deep. He had 17 red zone targets last year. I think everything is working out for Gabe Davis to kind of not only be that preferred guy in the red zone, he could be the true downfield weapon for one of the most dangerous passing attacks in the NFL. Yeah. Making a play on Gabe Davis could be, you know, in- interesting, just not, not the player comp, but the situation comp of, I mean, wouldn't it have been nice to be a year early on Mike Williams last year and, you know, get in on him the year early before he just exploded last season and was a borderline wide receiver one. And that didn't take anything away from Keenan. You know, Keenan was also very good. They were both good. And I think that Gabe Davis, it's it's interesting. And I think almost a lot of people, a lot of the, you know, general consensus out there. Another kind of roller coaster of value where, you know, after he had the great playoff game, it was almost like everybody making the dynasty jokes, the typical ones of, you know, 
oh, sell him right now, you know, huge. And, and it's almost such a joke that it's like, oh, well, nobody's going to overpay because he had the one playoff game. You know, you don't – but are we going to, like, discount that he just had the best playoff game in NFL history <laughs> when the Bills needed him? The Bills didn't discount that. They didn't go and add somebody like we thought they were. They added Khalil Shakur because he was a good value where they got him. But, I mean, I think a lot of people who have Gabe Davis on – have Gabe – Gabe Davis on fantasy teams or, you know, or just endorsing Gabe Davis, we're a little worried that the Bills might, you know, prioritize getting another receiver. And then we go through this whole, you know, cycle again of, okay, how, how's this role going to turn out? But they didn't, they drafted Khalil Shakur. It was a good value. I don't think he necessarily comes in and replaces Gabe Davis. I think Gabe Davis earned a role. And I think the Bills looked at what he did when they needed him and, you know, thought, why would we go and replace this guy? This guy's an important part of our offense. And I think that just throughout the progression of his career, he's, you know, he's earned it. It's, you know, like a cross sport reference, but it's like, you know, Tyler Hero after, you know, the Heat just lost. Tyler Hero is saying, you know, I've been on the bench for years now. It's been three years. Like, I want to be a starter. I think I've earned it. I think that Gabe Davis has also earned it where, yeah, you've had Cole Beasley, you've had Emmanuel Sanders, you know, Jamison Crowder will be there. But on the outsider, it's going to be Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs, and Stephon Diggs is really good. So Stephon Diggs is going to get a lot of coverage, and I think Gabe Davis is going to be able to figure out ways to win. So I like him a lot, and I, you know, I think he is undervalued in Dynasty for sure at, what is he, wide receiver 41? Mm-hmm. So I think he is undervalued. At, at the same time, I think it's tough to make – the case what we've seen so far over the guys ahead of him but it's not that hard to project and we're all in the game of projecting and you look at the bills offense like you said all the you know all the stats you listed off too they're one of the best offenses in the nfl and if you're the second target in that which contrary to my you know juju take for instance juju is probably not going to be the top target you know who knows if he's going to be the second um but or sorry yeah, no, the juju take, because same sort of thing. He's going to have a Travis Kelsey there. Gabe Davis is going to have Stephon Diggs there, but that doesn't mean it's a death sentence. It's not like, oh, he has to be the wide receiver one to be productive in fantasy. And I feel like a lot of the time that's the downside of, you know, when we look at this stuff year round and, you know, a lot of fantasy people do. It's, well, show me the upside. What what can he be? He can't be the wide receiver one. They have Stephon Diggs. And it's like, okay. <laughs> he, he doesn't have to – surpass Stephon Diggs to be valuable in fantasy. You brought up, you know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. People comfortably rank those two in the top, you know, 10 to 12. You know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. A lot of these guys who are Mike Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, duos with good offenses, with a good quarterback, it yeah. happens. It might not happen so frequently, but it happens. And Gabe Davis is in a funny spot in Dynasty because I – I do think you can trade for him for probably cheaper than you will be able to a year from now. I, I just think so because I think people are almost scared of being the ones who fall into the playoff game narrative. You know, it's like, oh, he had the huge playoff game. I'm not going to bite on that. It's like, okay, well, why don't you look at they didn't add another receiver in those first couple of rounds when you thought they were going to. Why don't you look at their roster right now and what they did in free agency? They didn't go add somebody to replace him. So maybe the playoff game does mean mean something, you know. Yeah. So I, I'm on board with that for sure. I think, you know, he's I think he's accurately ranked because it's tough to be to just be like, oh, he's better than, you know, a lot of these guys ahead of him, like, you know, the Allen Robinson, Mike Williams, you know, those sort of guys. But 
the projections there and it's not an outlandish unrealistic thing to project so no it's it's not it it, you know for me it's just i feel he's very accurately ranked in redraft you know we've seen him as like the wide receiver 25 there i think he is on underdog right now like i think that's like right around where he's gonna finish this year like i i think he'll sneak into that back end wide receiver two status i just don't think in you know in dynasty him being valued as a back end wide receiver three is is really uh or actually as a wide receiver four is where he should be ranked at all so yeah doesn't that seem like it's backwards i mean it's like in redraft he is mm-hmm. the wide receiver 25 but then in dynasty is the wide receiver 41 yet he's 23 years old <laughs> we're not talking about an old player so it's it is one of those things and again when we talk about dynasty season trades he's this is those times where you can take advantage of things like this yep. that don't make sense to you. But you can be like, this doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to go trade for Gabe Davis like he's the wide receiver 40 yep. when likely he might be the wide receiver 25. Yep, but uh, let's let's dive right into our second and final segment here. We talked about the wide receivers. Now let's hop onto the tight ends. Um, I'll go first this time. My t- or The tight end nine right now, and I don't think he should be there. There's really no reason I see him there. It's Dalton Schultz. And look, I mean, the case for Dalton Schultz kind of makes itself here. He's 25 years old. He just was the tight end three. Um, I mean, you have to argue that he can't go any really higher than that. Yet he's going off the board as tight end nine. And he's going behind guys who I don't think will have, you know, the same statistical type as the seasons that he will got, you know, look, everyone can argue about a guy like George Kittle, but would you rather have George Kittle who's in a run heavy offense has some injury issues here and there and has a completely unproven quarterback and Trey Lance, or would you rather have Dalton Schultz who in Dallas is the clear cut wide receiver or the second receiving option right now? Uh, Mari Cooper's gone. It's just CD Lamb. Dallas is in a very friendly division against tight ends. And we know that Dallas is going to throw the ball a ton. They were ranked, you know, well above the average of neutral run pass. They were almost a 60% pass team last year. Now that Ezekiel Elliott continues to downtrend, I would rather have Dalton Schultz in that scenario. Look, without Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson, 25% of the targets from last year are vacated. That's a huge number for Dalton Schultz to step into as basically that second guy there. We're not going to see Michael Gallup until probably midseason. He tore his ACL on January on January 2nd, I believe. Uh, and then, you know, look, he's going to be out. Well, he might be out well into the regular season. He's probably going to start the season on the pup list. We might not see him until you know, mid-October or November, depending on how his recovery and rehab is going. So I'm just not going to go too far into saying that I think people are a little bit underrating Dalton Schultz because they seem to underrate him all last year. You know, there were plenty of leagues where Dalton Schultz was still on your waiver wire at mid-season. And he's a guy who actually was getting consistent work as the tight end one for that Dallas Cowboys team. So for me, it kind of makes sense. They tagged him to avoid free agency. He saw 104 targets last year. He saw 15, he had 15 red zone receptions. 
So everything kind of points up for me. He's not going to be a guy that wows you athletically. He doesn't have the most, you know, glimmering prospect profile. He is a guy who has good hands. He's very efficient with his targets. He scores. Um, he's a guy who Dak Prescott has a ton of trust in. He had oh, almost 800 air yards last season. I mean, so he's a guy who ranks in all the all the good metrics. He's a good route runner. He's he's very good after the catch, and he has good hands. So for me, Dalton Schultz being you know tight end nine is a little bit low for me. I think he could easily move up into that five or six rating after the season. Yeah, I could see that too. I personally think he's in dynasty. I think he's you know around fairly priced because you know it's. The only guys in front of him, it's, you know, Pitts, Andrews, Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, Hawkinson, Goddard, and Fryermuth, who I think all, you know, it makes sense. I mean, Dalton Schultz outproduced a Fryermuth. He, you know, probably outproduced Dallas Goddard um, and, and TJ Hawkinson. He outproduced most of those guys. We'll see what the long-term value is with him. I genuinely think people last year were late on Dalton Schultz because of, it was supposed to be Blake Jarwin. Like everybody thought it was going to be Blake Jarwin. Yep. So then when it wasn't, people were kind of skeptical to buy into Dalton Schultz to be like, well, what about when Jarwin comes back? I even heard somebody this offseason say, well, like, what about Jarwin? It's like the Cowboys let him go. Like he's not even on the team anymore. So yep. Dalton Schultz, I like, who he signed with. Yeah, I don't remember either, but Dalton Schultz, like, took the job. I mean, there's not like a competition anymore. <laughs> it was, it's clearly his. So I think that there's, you know, a lot to like about that. There's a lot to like about what the Cowboys have done with their offense to, you know, almost not directly, but indirectly, they've cleared up some room for Dalton Schultz. I mean, Amari Cooper gone, Michael Gallup hurt, like you've said, you know, brought in Jalen Tolbert, but he probably is going to be the second second target in the Cowboys offense. I mean, behind CD Lamb, I would assume. So, yeah, when you look at, all those guys ahead of him. I mean, not all those guys are the second target in their offense. Mm -hmm. And the Cowboys offense, it might be a little bit more, you know, potent than some of those offenses ahead of him. Uh, some of the tight ends offenses ahead of him. So I think he's fairly priced, but to, you know, back what you said, because I think it's right is, I mean, you can look back at this in a year from now and be like, wow, I can't believe we were taking all those guys ahead of Dalton Schultz, you know, because mm -hmm. if he does, close to what he did last year and finishes in the top five again. I mean, what argument are we going to have to, to drag him down? So I think it's a, you know, I think it's a good buy. I, I don't really know what Dalton Schultz is going for in dynasty, which would be interesting to me. Cause you know, in that, in the tight end premium leagues, you know, a little bit more for sure, but that's kind of the teardrop. And, you know, even the fantasy pro CCR has it as a teardrop because it really is. I mean, after Schultz, you get into a messy group of a full projection. Of, <laughs> we hope this guy, we think this guy, all those sort of things where Dalton Schultz really, you know, boasted a tight end three, you know, finish. So I think that he belongs there. And I think you're right to say, if you're going to buy Dalton Schultz, now is the time because in a year from now, it could be completely completely different prices uh, based yep. on what he's able to do. So I think Dalton Schultz is a good one there. Um, I am going to go with my guy, David Njoku. Uh, you know, it's probably on a lot of people's buys list right now, tight end, tight end 17. I'll keep it short and sweet. 
because uh, you know we're getting close to an hour we're gonna wrap this thing up soon and you know just got, we're just talking tight ends and outside those top 12 tight ends man it gets a little messy anyway I've got David Njoku, another deceptively young player. You know, he's 25 years old where it feels like he's been in the league forever. He is entering his sixth season now at 25, uh, which is, you know, a Juju Smith-Schuster type of guy in terms of where we just feel like he's he's been around. The difference between Njoku and some of these other tight ends that, you know, are, are ranked ahead of him is Irv Smith, Albert O., uh, no offense to an extent, no offense, had some decent production. But, you know, Albert O. Irv Smith, some of these other guys that are kind of in the David Njoku class of player. Njoku's actually done it. I know it's been a while, but he did. In 2018, he had 56 catches, 639 yards, four touchdowns in his second season. Just good for about 100, you know, 145 fantasy points. Not great, but again, we're talking about a tight end landscape outside that top five, outside that top ten, where you're just looking for something. And Njoku does cross a lot of boxes. I mean, he's athletic. He's now the leader on the roster. You know, get out of here with the, the Harrison Bryant stuff. Njoku just got paid a four-year extension for $56 million. And yep. the tough part with him as well is I almost feel like these past couple of years have been a little bit of a waste. Uh, in 2019, he was hurt, so he only played four games. 2020, he missed a couple of games, too, only played 13. But from 2020 through 2021, there was a lot of discussion of David and Joku requesting a trade. And, you know, if you're tuned into all this stuff, you hear about all that. It was almost like a foregone conclusion that when Njoku's contract was up, he was gone. I mean, they were going to trade him or let him go. You know, they paid Austin Hooper, like one of the highest paid tight end contracts a couple of years ago. They seemed to be doing everything to not have David and Joku work out. Then his contract's up, they franchise him, and then they work out a long-term extension. I mean, they clearly must like what they've seen over these past couple of years, and now he gets an upgrade with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's 2022 season, you know, might be in jeopardy. We'll see how many games he actually is suspended, but, I mean, I think it's going to be a decent amount. And fortunately for David Njoku, inking a you know, four-year extension as Deshaun also, you know, inked the biggest contract in NFL history. Now he's not going anywhere, and neither is Deshaun. And I think that bodes pretty well for him. You know, aside from Amari Cooper, we'll see what happens with David Bell. There's not a ton of targets in the passing offense in Cleveland. So if David and Joe can get nice and cozy with Deshaun, hopefully not too cozy, then uh, I see a good future for him. You didn't even catch that joke, Sam. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think David and Joe is a good buy here because I think you can get him on the cheap. And, you know, while people are getting excited about the Alberto, Irv Smiths, uh, you know, who, who I like too, maybe Evan Ingram, those sort of guys who might have yep. found themselves in new fun situations. Look at David Njoku, who's quietly just been in Cleveland for a long time doing nothing. And now he gets a couple upgrades, contract, quarterback, all these sort of things that make you maybe buy back in. So I get David Njoku on the cheap. I'm happy to have him on the couple of dynasty teams that I do have him on. Yeah, I, I'd take him now uh, before this suspension news for Watson comes out. Um, because once Watson comes back from that suspension, the price is only going to rise because, you know, they're sh they've shown that they want to get uh, Njoku more involved in this offense. They said it last year, too, and th they said that there would be some changes to the passing scheme with Watson there. So I definitely think that we can see Njoku become a major focal point of this team. Um, I'm going to move on to my last guy here in, you know, the man. And uh, it's been someone who's, you know, I've seen 
his name. He keeps getting tossed around Twitter. And uh, look, the consensus is this. The Bears are going to be really, really bad. But man, if Cole Komet can't have a good year despite that. Look, the Bears wide receiving room. Look, our, our friend Justin Wright, our former boss at 14 personnel, had one of the funniest tweets I've seen when he tweeted out the Bears, the Bears wide receiver core or the U.S. prison system has a w- better wide receiving core than the Chicago Bears do right now. And this was that was tweeted uh, the morning that Jerry Judy was arrested. It was in bad taste. Yeah, it was definitely in bad taste, but it, it cracked me up because really just how true it, it is. The Bears do not have a good uh, wide receiving core. And all the respect to Darnell Mooney, that man is a dog. He is so good, but he cannot do it all by himself. Cole, luckily, he's got his buddy Cole Komet, second round pick out of Notre Dame, to help him out. And look, Cole Komet had a very weird 2021 season. We all thought that he was going to go in and have some star turn, but I mean, he put up the numbers. He put up 93 targets. He had 60 catches. Uh, 61, 612 receiving yards isn't the greatest. Here's the problem: goose egg for the touchdown category. Not good. I mean, you know, this is a guy who was pretty in, you know, used used heavily in the offense. Um, he had nine deep targets at rank six among NFL tight ends last season. I mean, that's like he was a guy that was used in, you know, in deeper routes across the field. And he just couldn't manage to, you know, stumble his way into the end zone. And part of that was some Justin Fields growing pains. And those are there and they still have them and they're probably still going to be there this year. But if Cole Komet had just caught four or five touchdown passes, his rest of his production profile would have put him in the top five tight ends for last year, statistically. So I look for a huge improvement for Cole Komet. He's ranked as the tight end 13 right now, and he's going to be great this year. And once the Bears fill out this offense, he's going to be great going forward. I mean, the Bears aren't going to be very good for a couple of years. They're going to have to throw a ton. And someone has to be the red zone guy for this team. Committed 12 red zone targets last year and zero touchdowns. Again, like I said, Jesper Horstead, Jimmy Graham, Jesse James, they're all gone. These are the guys that caught six touchdown passes on 34 combined targets. Remember Jesper Horstead? caught like three touchdowns on like four targets. They're all red zone. Like that's ridiculous. So once he really, once fields really got going last year, Komet was averaging, you know, seven targets and 50 yards a game. I mean, if he's able to do that this season, the sky's the limit for him. So I'm, I'm really high on what Cole Komet can do. Uh, I definitely think he deserves to be ranked higher than tight end 13. Um, you know, I think he should be ranked higher than Noah Fant. I think he should be ranked higher than Mike Gesicki. So I definitely think he makes his way up there and yeah, he's not a star yet, but he's going to get every chance to be this year to be a fantasy star. Yeah. And I mean, Komet finds himself in an interesting situation that, you know, a lot of these top tight ends found themselves in at one point, you know, the Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, uh, George Kittle, you know, TJ Hawkinson to an extent where, I mean, 
it didn't just happen because they're good players because they are good players, but it was also a lack of talent around them where they kind of become the, you know, the, top receiving option in an offense. And I mean, like we said with the Bears, Darnell Mooney's great. Darnell Mooney's a you know great player for what he does, but I mean he's not gonna get everything. <laughs> he's definitely not going to get all of it in the red zone. And he's like 175 pounds. So Darnell Mooney's very good, but the Bears have not done much to add around him. And if if Cole Komet can develop, you know, the sort of chemistry with Justin Fields that, you know, maybe Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson had, or you know, uh Kittle and Garoppolo for a little bit. I mean, Travis and yeah. Kelsey and Mahomes. I mean, but you can really be that top option in the offense, which Komet really has a wide open door to. Uh, I think he really does have the ability to jump up into that top tier. I don't really see, you know, what the what the huge difference would be between him and a TJ Hawkinson, you know, finding themselves a little bit closer together after this year. You know, they'll be similar age. They're both in, you know, kind of suspect offenses having to prove themselves. So I think Komet can take a big jump next year as well. And my last tight end, I will keep this very short and sweet because he's tight end 23 uh, in fantasy CCR. So, I mean, we're, we're getting to a spot where you could, you could, you know, throw me at tight end and then, you know, it might, might help out just as much as Gerald Everett. But Gerald Everett, tight end 23, like I said before, you know, we don't mean to make this a Chargers show unintentionally, a Justin Herbert show, I guess. But, I mean, you want guys who are attached to him. You know, we, we made a case for Darnold Parham for the past couple of years, hoping that, you know, maybe he would be the guy they've continued to, you know, Jared Cook. Now it's Gerald Everett. Uh, find these kind of athletic tight ends. I mean, Jared Cook's an athlete, so is Gerald Everett able to do a lot of things. And, you know, the same case I made for Josh Palmer potentially being the fourth target in that offense. I mean, Gerald Everett will be the other competition for that, for being the, the fourth target behind, you know, Keenan, Mike Williams, Eckler, finding a way to just, you know, get targets from a good quarterback. And, you know, those are much more valuable when they're coming from Justin Herbert. So Gerald Everett's, you know, 27 years old still. He's 6'3", 240. Like I said, good athlete. Chargers just brought him in uh, for, I want to say, yeah, two-year deal, $8 million. Or sorry, two-year deal, yeah, guaranteed $8 million. So, I mean, it's a significant, you know, signing for a tight end. He's tight end 24. Some guys that are going ahead of him are, you know, Tyler Higby, Logan Thomas, uh, Evan Ingram again. Hmm. You know, I, I think Gerald Everett's right around that sort of class. I don't think he's underrated by any means, but I'd be inspired to have him on my team or if you can get him for the real cheap if you need a tight end. Um, you know, who's to say he doesn't do better than, you know, Noah Fant, who's ranked, you know, 12 spots ahead of him. So yeah. I think that the quarterback's going to make a huge difference getting with the uh, Justin Herbert should be big time. So he's a more of a late buy. You can get him for pretty much nothing. So why not? Why not take a shot on Gerald Everett? Yeah, he'll he'll be a guy I look to plug in uh a lot of tight end when I, you know, if there's a rough start on the schedule, injury, buy, that kind of thing. I'll definitely I'll definitely look for that. I mean, I was a big Gerald Everett guy last year. Didn't work out so well in my favor. Had to reassess a little bit. But we well, uh, reset yeah. he's now with Justin Herbert reset. Yes, the, exactly. Reset yeah, absolutely. You got to, got to reset there. <laughs> Russell Wilson, not a huge user of the tight end in his offense. Makes you wonder about Alberto. Just think it about does. it. Yes, it does. Um, but Justin Herbert, definitely a solid user of the tight end. We saw that from the Jared cook usage. So uh, hopefully that'll work out there, but that is all the time that we have tonight. Um, 
Thank you guys for staying for a great show. As always, please go check out the YouTube. Uh, high Floor Football on YouTube. Would love to catch some more subs there. Always nice to help us out by hitting the subscribe button, liking the video, hitting the bell so you can see when we go live. Um, the audio will be out tomorrow as it is every week. And uh, we will see you guys again next week. Same time, same place. See you guys on the flip side. Adios.